Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, may we be mindful of the fact that life will always be full of issues because the world is full of people. Thus, we ought to be grateful for the fact that what we have in Christ Jesus is better than what anyone could have in the world. Uh, in Christ and because of him, uh, we have a sure hope and a strong expectation. Uh, a careful consideration of the Bible uh, reveals to us that confidence in God is never disappointed. It also reveals to us that the best sacrifice is that of obedience. God has established a covenant that is open to whosoever will. And in this covenant, God provides uh, all that we need. Uh, and our lot is to be faithful to him, even as he is faithful to his word. The psalmist has declared in Psalm 40, verse 16, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee, let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. But may we be mindful of the fact that God is not magnified through lip service. He is magnified through life service. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention again to the uh, text that was read into our hearing there in John chapter 19. Uh, we want to read again verse number 30. There in your Bibles, John 19, verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Based on John's account uh, uh, of the crucifixion, we want to use this morning as a subject when it's all said and done. Our sub-theme for the month of December uh, has been last words of Jesus. Uh, there are seven statements recorded in the gospel accounts that Jesus made while on the cross. Uh, and as we consider the text that we have before us here in John chapter 19, we have the penultimate declaration of Jesus as he hung on the cross. There is a great depth of meaning in these three words. It has been stated, when it's all said and done, there is usually more said than done. Observation and experience have taught me that declarations of completion are not always accurate. Uh, many of you have heard me say that Sister Cook teaches kindergarten. And from volunteering in her classroom, I have seen her 
assigned her students to color a paper with the instructions, number one, you always write your name on the paper. And these are kindergarten students. And right out the gate, the first thing you do is write your name uh, on the pa any paper you get, you write your name on it. And if it is a coloring activity, she will say to them, now color the picture completely and then raise your hand when you are finished. I have observed children turn in a paper something like this one and declare that they are finished. Now, I Googled that. That's not your child's work. So if your child did that picture, then you take that up with Google, because I just Googled that and grabbed that off of there. But children will turn in that paper and declare I'm done. Now, the instructions were write your name on the picture, color it in completely, and then raise your hand. Now, you may be done, but you are not finished. Now, lest we think that it is just children that can do this, I remember some years ago that Sister Cook purchased the DVD series for Ty Bo. Anybody remember when Ty Bo was the rage? And she purchased the DVDs and we decided we were going to exercise together. Now, having always been rather svelte a figure, I, I, I just knew, even though I hadn't been exercising, I could finish uh, Billy Blank's workout. Well, she put the first DVD in and about halfway through the DVD, my body was telling me you've had enough. Now, you know, my male pride wouldn't let me stop. So I, I tried to soldier on. But a little while after that, I, I, I had to tell her I'm through. Now, the video wasn't over. I was just through. When Jesus declared it is finished, what did he mean by these words? Because we know with people, I'm done, I'm through, doesn't necessarily mean it is finished. In researching this text, I, I ran across what I think uh, an explanation of these words uh, is just as good an explanation as, as any uh, as you will find. The words, it is finished, and I apologize if it's a little small on the screen there. I, that was the only way I could get it all to fit. The words, it is finished, sum up all that he came to do. The redemption of mankind was now being achieved, and the course which has been laid out for him from the beginning had been completed. His life and work, his suffering and death, the shame and the agony of the cross are all viewed as behind him, and in triumph he shouts, it is finished. The, the significance of these words for all of us are beyond our comprehension. 
Death thus became the door to the realization of his glory and not the shame which his enemies intended. He who was without sin bore the sins of the world in these hours and thus paid the debt for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. In these three words, Jesus declared that his cause and course of taking on the flesh had been completed. And I marvel when you read the Bible account that God had a plan for our reconciliation before we committed our first sin. Uh, in your Bibles, in Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5, the, the Bible declares, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. If we understand what Paul is saying there in Ephesians 1, uh, uh, verses 4 and 5, before uh, uh, the portion that Brother Harvey read for us this morning, before God said, let there be light, before he said, let us make man in our own image, God looked into the future, saw our condition, and made a provision for our reconciliation before he ever formed us from the dust of the ground. I submit to you that the completion of a plan hinges on a clear understanding of the plan and an abiding commitment to the plan. Plans are only as good as their execution. From the life of Jesus, it is clearly seen that he had a clear understanding of the Father's plan and was wholly committed to that plan. Again, in your Bibles, in John 8, verses 28 and 29, then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me, the Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. In verse 29, I believe Jesus is speaking quite literally. I do always those things that please him. Now that's commitment to the plan. I do always those things that please him. I, I know that's the goal that we're working to, but, but I don't believe that any one of us could say uh, uh, with any accuracy that I do always those things that please him. See, when you always do what pleases God, then there's no longer the need for repentance. Jesus said, I always do what pleases my father. When the disciples are fighting amongst themselves as to who will be the greatest, it, when I'm standing here ready to face uh, one of the most brutal deaths known to man, I always do the things that please him. When, Jesus, uh, when Judas, rather, uh, uh, asked me, Lord, is it I? Knowing full well that he has betrayed me, 
I do always the things that please him. When we look at Jesus and he makes the statement, it is finished, I submit to you that not only is he talking about uh, uh, reconciling man to God, but Jesus is talking about the whole of his living. When we look at Jesus's life, we observe number one, that Jesus served. And his service is seen not only in the things that he did, but also in what he was willing to become. It's just not in us to appreciate what a huge step down it is from God to humanity. But you remember in John 1 verse number one, the Bible declares in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The Bible is very clear that Jesus is as much God as the father is God. But then in John 1 verse 14, John declares, and the word was made flesh. It is just not in us to appreciate what a step down that is from being God who is spirit to taking on the flesh and, and all of the things that come along uh, uh, with existing uh, in the flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. What John is telling us is that Jesus became less than he was so that we could be more than we were. But again, I think it's just lost on us what a huge step down uh, 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 that is to step down from being God to being God in the flesh. And we appreciate that Jesus served by being an example. In Hebrews 4 verse 15, uh, the Hebrew writer declares, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now the Hebrew writer is telling us, while we may say to one another, you don't know what ABC is like, you can't pray that to the Lord. Anything that we go through, Jesus took on flesh so that he might be our example of having experienced it, but always doing the Father's will, even though he experienced it. Uh, you know, you can go through some tough experiences in life. You ever had somebody just lie on you? And, and I mean lie on you for no good reason. I know there's never a good reason to tell a lie, but you know, sometimes folk just lie for no good reason. Well, well, Jesus could say, I know what it's like to have folk lie on you for no good reason. Have you ever had a friend turn on you? Well, well, Jesus could say, I know what it's like to have a friend turn on you. Jesus could say, I know what it's like to be tired. You ever come home from working all day and, and after you've worked on the job, now you got to work in the home and then maybe you have a spouse and, and, and children or whoever it is that lives with you, don't appreciate what you put in on the job and then how much it requires for you to put that in in the house as well. Well, Jesus could say, I know what that feels like. I, I know what it is to be tired. I, I, I know what it is to have folk coming to you all day long. 
because he served by tending to the needs of others. In fact, so much so in Mark 6 and verse number 31, that the Bible says, and he said unto them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. The people were so busy coming to Jesus for healing and teaching. And uh, you know, when, when, when you carry other people's sorrows, it, 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 that just affects you sometime too. Uh, you, you ever had somebody share with you what they going through and maybe you were in a good mood before they started? And, and now I'm not feeling as happy as I was now that you've shared. Now, now I get it. We're supposed to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. But, but can you imagine having people coming to you all day long uh, with this disease and with that disease and with, with this social issue and with that problem, and, and all you're doing all day long is helping people with their problems, so much so that you don't even have time to take a meal. Jesus served. Now, now, now that's service. You know, uh, service is becoming somewhat of, of a lost art. I, I tell Sister Cook all the time when we go in places to eat, yeah, you know, I just have to remind her, you know, they don't serve like they used to serve. You know, you used to go in and, and they would greet you with a happy hello and may I help you? And you know, sometimes you go in the place and they just stare at you like, you know, why are you here? And, and, and if you don't tell them what you want, they just figure you don't want anything and just move on to the next person. But, but Jesus served in his living by example and by tending to the needs of others. But not only could he declare it is finished because he served, Jesus could declare it is finished because he suffered. In 1 Peter 2 verse number 21, the Bible declares, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Now, I submit to you that Jesus's sufferings were not restricted to the cross. He suffered all the rigors of humanity. Uh, again, in Hebrews 4, verse 15, uh, Paul says uh, 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 that he uh, can be touched with what we go through because he was in all points tempted like as we are and, and yet without sin. He knew what it was to be thirsty. He, he knew what it was to be tired. He, he, he knew what it was to be hungry. Uh, you ever been tired and hungry? You know, e either one of those by itself can ju just put you in a bad headspace. Uh, you, you, you know, when you're hungry, you, you're just grumpy. And, and, and when you're tired, you, your fuse tends to be a little shorter than it might have been under other circumstances. Well, Jesus experienced all these things and appreciate again, this was a step down from being God to being God in the flesh. He experienced all the emotions that we are subject to. I know what it is to care for other people and then them not act like they care about you. I know what it is to have somebody close turn on you. I know what it is to have people hate you when all you're trying to do is help them. Jesus suffered. Thus, when he declares it is finished, he could say even 
with all that I've suffered, I've always done the Father's will. I've always been compassionate. I've, I've always been patient. I've always desired reconciliation, even when folk were doing me wrong for no good reason. And then third this morning, when Jesus says it is finished, he is able to say that because he conquered. Specifically, he conquered sin and death. In your Bibles, in 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse number 55, Paul asked, O death, where is thy sting? Now, this is a series of rhetorical questions. Uh, o grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus conquered sin and death. Well, how did he do that? Well, he conquered sin by paying the price for our sin. And see, the bad thing about dying is if you have to face God without the penalty for sin having been atoned for. As someone has once said, dying wouldn't be so bad if dying was all. You know, if we just died and that was it, then, uh, yeah, you know, we may not look forward to it, but uh, after that, it's over. But remember what the Hebrew writer tells us, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. See, after we leave this flesh and blood existence, we have one more appointment with God that we will all keep, where the matter of has our sins been atoned for will be most important. Well, Jesus has paid the price for our sins. Thus, we can die without fearing what people fear after they die. See, it is not dying so much that people fear, it's having to settle up, for God, settle up with God for sins that are unatoned for. That, that really gives people pause. Well, Jesus has conquered both of those. You remember he makes the statement, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he asked uh, 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 Martha, believest thou this? Do we believe that? That he's conquered sin and death? Uh, and, and he's not only conquered sin and death, but, but he's conquered the world. In John 16, verse number 33, he makes the statement, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Whatever is going on in this world, let us remember God reigns in the kingdom of men. That this world is not our home, we're just passing through. And whatever goes on down here, you know, it, it, it may concern me, but I don't live here. I'm headed somewhere better than where we are right now. You know, I've said before, when you go visit somebody else's house, depending on whose house you go visit, you may say, man, I'm glad I don't live here. See, because whatever the situation is there, what you understand is, see, I haven't put down any roots here. There may be a mess, but this mess ain't mine. Well, there's sure enough a mess in this world in which we live.
for a whole lot of reasons. But aren't you glad we don't live here? We just passing through. And the reason we are able to just pass through is because Jesus has conquered. God's plan from the beginning was that we might have eternal life. Jesus is finishing his course makes this possible. And so when he hangs there on the cross and he says, it is finished, not just this present ordeal, but all that my living has accomplished and all that is available to those that believe in him because of what he accomplished. If ever there were three words that we should be glad for, is that Jesus could declare it is finished. The provision for our reconciliation has been established. An example which we may follow without any deviation whatsoever has been set. And because Jesus finished his course, it makes it able for us to finish ours. Thus the apostle declared in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. And I like to paraphrase that because Jesus is my strength. I can because he did. I am because he is. It is finished. You know, we're just living out the details. What Jesus has established, what he has done, nobody can undo. Salvation is sure. We just living out the details. God offers that salvation to whosoever will. And he offers that salvation in the person of Christ Jesus. He requires that we hear the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried but raised for our justification. In, in, in essence, he requires that we appreciate it is finished. In Romans 10 verse 17, the Bible declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We must believe that gospel message, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. In John 8 verse 24, Jesus declares, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Because Jesus is the Christ, we must repent of sin. We must turn from the old way of living and give ourselves to walking after the will and commandments of the Father. In Acts 17, verses 30 and 31, the Bible declares that the times of this ignorance, God winked. But now he commands that all men everywhere repent because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained. And he's given us assurance of this fact by raising Jesus from the dead. We must make the confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Matthew 10, 32, Jesus declares, whosoever will confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. And even having done all of that, the Bible requires that we be baptized in water for the remission of sins. First Peter 3, verse 21, Peter declares, the like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, 
but the answer of a good conscience towards God. Baptism matters because it is God's say so. And because God is the one offering salvation, he is in a position to say so. And because we are in need of salvation, we are in the position of needing to submit to what God has commanded. When we go down into the waters of baptism, God washes away our sins by the blood of Christ Jesus and dwells us with his spirit, which helps us to live right and adds us to the church, gives us a spiritual family so we can be sources of encouragement to one another that we might be able to finish our course even as Jesus finished his. When we come up out of the waters of baptism, God requires that we live obediently. First Peter two, verse number nine, the Bible declares you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praise of him that has called you from darkness into his marvelous light. If you're listening via one of the social media outlets, your desire is to be baptized into Christ Jesus, we bid you reach out to our elders at elders at laurelchurch.net. If you are in our audience this morning and this is your desire, we bid you to come forward as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation. <laughs>